folks, Annie here. We are going to be talking about a Korean drama called Boys Over Flowers. There is some light mention of suicide attempts, bullying. We don't get into that too much, but keep that in mind as we go forward. Thanks. Have a great day. It's not about making love. It's all about making you smile. internet i'm annie i'm ket and i'm mac and this is i will fight you a podcast we've been turning opinion into stone cold facts since 1986 today's fact in a k-drama amnesia plots are the least of your worries (laughs) (laughs) we are spending some time today talking about boys over flowers the original manga as well as looking specifically at the k-drama version This is a special treat for me because it's our Valentine's Month episode. (laughs) So obviously we're going to be talking about how lucky is my life. (laughs) And how you should stand by me and these other two guys. I'm also here. (laughs) Right. So Mac and I know about this. We'll be explaining this all to Kit and the audience. We've tried to make this as bewildering sounding as possible. Ah, good. Excellent. How I got into it was like back in the ye olden days with Suncoast and Walden Books. I walked into a Walden Books once, went to the manga section because my dad was with me and my dad was way more lenient about buying me random things than my mom was. And I found a manga called Boys Over Flowers or Hanayori Dango in Japanese. And I immediately bought like the first five books. I fell in love with the series. Flash forward about 10 years. I'm in <laughs> grad school with Annie. This is the summer that we started living together. I walked downstairs one day to see Mackenzie is on the couch watching Netflix, watching something that looks extremely dramatic. It's extremely melodramatic. She sits down with me. We're watching Boys Are Flowers, the K-drama. I casually mention at some point, this is nothing like the book. <laughs> this is nothing like the manga series. And she's like, oh, yeah. And I'm like, oh, sure. And I lend her the first couple books. And she's like, oh, my God, this is nothing like the books. <laughs> no, no, no. You didn't even have the first couple of books, I don't think. This is one that I went to Scanlations to find. Oh, right. I only had like a few of the books. At that point, I'd lost like half of them. So I only had like mm-hmm. two, six and nine or something like that. Yeah. So I had to muddle through like the middle of this incredibly long series by like reading the chapters that were released and then trying translated and scanned with the objective being the fastest person to get it up first rather than someone who like actually translated things. So there were like entire (laughs) pages where there was just like blank text boxes and like incredibly dramatic sequences with people speaking like two word sentences. (laughs) You know, the ideal experience. Honestly, yes. (laughs) And then, like, later on, I bought, like, all the volumes on Comixology because I can't devote shelf space to a long-running series like this anymore. I have too many other stupid books. (laughs) Western kids reading manga today, you have no idea how good you have it. Yes, God, seriously. I got into Boys Over Flowers because Mackenzie got me into Boys Over Flowers because she pitched it to me in the way that will get me every single time, which is, so there's a rich guy who's a huge jerk and also an idiot. (laughs) And then there's a badass bitch girl who hates him. Yes. And then they kiss. And I'm like, oh, really? 
That is the manga. I need to start with that. That is not the K-drama. Because the K-drama basically decided to take everything about the manga that was dramatic and ramp it up to 11. So what I wanted to do is start with the manga and just sort of give an overview of that as well as some of the plots. And then we'll just sort of look at how the K-drama happened and how that changed some of these plots for interesting reasons. Just to establish, I have no knowledge of Boys Over Flowers. The most exposure I had to it was I was a library page during the manga boom of the mid to late 2000s. So I had to shelve a lot of it. That's all I've got. Because here's the thing about Hanayori Dango is that it is by Yoko Kamio. It ran from October 1992 to January 2004. And how frequently would it be releasing volumes? individual chapters monthly typically usually a volume release is about four to five chapters okay so that's a volume every about four to five months for 12 years yeah Mm -hmm. yeah at some point like even if it's bad it becomes beloved by sheer just like staying power it's just still there you all still have boys over flowers of note this manga started as like a shoujo thing designed for like teen girls tweens really and then it became Jose, which is like adult women. Shit. Like this series ran so long, it transcended genres, which is it's like if a book series ran for so long, it went from kidlet to young adult. It just kept growing. I mean, it ran for so long that there's this whole plot point early on in the series where the male lead gives the female lead a pager, which is an extremely extravagant gift at that time. Here, take this pager so you can call me on your house phone whenever I want to talk to you. (laughs) And later, it's just sort of quietly transformed into a cell phone. Everyone has cell phones. We don't talk about it. By the way, this is a high school story. So over the course of this 12 years, she goes from like a freshman to maybe a... I mean, you're talking about three years of high school. She goes from like first year to maybe second, maybe third year. Probably second year? Pretty sure he gets the third year. Okay. So we're talking about hundreds of volumes of incredibly dramatic shit happening over the course of like three or four years. Yes. Mm-hmm. Meaning that this person is a causality sink. Something happens to her every few hours. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. So the gist of Boys Over Flowers is that there is a poor girl named Makino Tsukushi who goes to an elite high school populated by absurdly rich people whom she all hates. <laughs> <laughs> The school is basically run by the F4, which is four very pretty boys. And it's short for flowery four, yeah. Yeah. Four very pretty boys who are extremely, extremely rich, more so than everyone else who bully people because, I don't know, they're rich and they don't think peasants have feelings or whatever. <laughs> When Scooshy becomes the target of this, she fights back, and that makes the leader of the F4, Damyoji Sukasa, go, Ooh. a girl was mean to me. I love her. <laughs> I love her. Over the course of this high school career, they butt heads, they eventually fall in love, mutually, mostly. For a while, it's mostly just Damyoji being like, step on me. Please step on me. Yeah. They end up overcoming these incredibly melodramatic obstacles from their classmates, from society, from Damyoji's controlling mother. They become the ultimate bickering power couple. And now I think we should probably discuss our kind of our three leads, because they are kind of different from the K-drama. Especially Scooshi. She is 
amazing in the manga. She's stubborn. She doesn't mind being a loudmouth. She wants to become a lawyer. She is badass and she is not afraid of anything. She will yeah. throw herself in anything and fight. She hates rich people. She hates the yeah. F4. She hates Dom Yoji. Her romantic arc is, I hate this guy. I'm really confused why he's like showering me with so much affection. Is this a neg? I don't understand this. <laughs> she shoots aliens and doesn't afraid of anything. Yeah. Yes. Then when she realizes, oh, he's a rich idiot, she grudgingly starts to respect him, then becomes Sundere, then quietly loves him, and then just tops him forever as they get married, probably. <laughs> and meanwhile, there's Dom Yoji, who's a dumbass. He's totally fucking stupid. <laughs> he's incredibly stupid. Now, is his name Yoji and he's dumb, or is his name Dom Yoji? <laughs> D-O-M-Y-O-U-J-I. Dom Yoji. Okay, who is also dumb. <laughs> yes, he's, okay. just, he's dumb. Yes, it's a happy coincidence. So he's dumb, dumb Yoji. <laughs> yeah. Yes. He has like this curly pompadour of hair. Yeah, that's his whole gimmick is that he has curly hair and it's natural. Now, when you say pompadour, are we talking 50s here? Ah, okay. So we're looking at late 50s moving into 60s mod culture here. Yes. And the whole thing is that, yes, that's his naturally curly hair. And that's like a whole friggin' plot point. Sometimes his hair gets wet and it straightens out and it's dramatic. <laughs> Dom Yoji's the fucking idiot. He's so stupid. Also, curly hair, when it gets wet, doesn't go straight. It becomes more unruly. And yet. <laughs> and yet. Dom Yoji has magic hair. Also, you know, those kinds of natural curls... It's entirely likely the author had no exposure to that. Ah, yes, I see. <laughs> Damyoji is like the richest of the rich boys. He is the richest boy in the school. I think his family like partially owns the school, or maybe that's just in the K-drama. I think in the manga, his dad is just like very close friends with the principal or something like that. Yeah. I can't remember. His dad's barely in the manga. Yeah. Damyoji basically has one girl stand up to him and then he falls in love with her. He goes completely doki doki step on me. Ah. He matures over the course of the series, not in like a I can change him kind of way, but in a like, oh, I guess I have to be an adult kind of way. <laughs> but the big thing about Damyoji is that he falls in love first, which is kind of unusual for a lot of like, especially the really popular shoujo. And also he falls in love hard and he's like, just hello, hello, you are my girlfriend now. Now, please be my girlfriend. Please. Let's please get married to me. If anyone touches her, I will fight them. <laughs> I will also fight everyone for you. Please. Will you also just punch me a little like right here? Just just really just just here. He here's some here's some brass knuckles, please. <laughs> so this is sounding like the most ornery girl in the entire world goes to a school entirely populated by boys who are huge bottoms. Yes. Yes. Okay. Yes. 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 Absolutely. Absolutely. Speaking of which, our kind of our third main lead, even though he kind of fades off eventually, don't worry about him. Yeah, because they wanted to form an early, like, love V fairly early on, but like, this character kind of comes in and out, but he's mentioned in a couple of plot points I'll be reading off later, so we should probably just contextualize him. Hanazawa Rui is our third character. He is the quiet boy. He's the quiet, sensitive boy. Yeah, he's quiet. He's kind of boring. He's the gentle one at first who Tsukushi falls for. He plays the violin. He plays the violin on a thing. Damioji gets jealous. He's not very interesting. <laughs> 
He's the character that the female protagonist has to have a thing for at the beginning because she can't just like enjoy the very stupid boy right away. <laughs> she has floppy hair. She has to learn what she wants. And what she wants is a dumbass who will fight you. <laughs> Like we said, there's a lot of drama that happens over the course of this entire series, and I just went through some manga summaries. I'm just going to list some plot points here because I want you to understand what I'm talking about when I say that the Korean drama is weirder. (laughs) (laughs) Here's a plot. Scushi is invited to a party specifically to be humiliated, but a nice rich girl gives her a makeover instead, and she's the prettiest girl at the ball. (laughs) Okay. Scooshi goes on a trip with her childhood friend turned Novu Rish and is interrupted by Damyoji and Omega Yacht. I believe they travel to somewhere in Japan and then her uh, Novu Rish friend who kind of has a crush on her maybe, it's not totally stated and who's kind of a dork, no one cares about him. And then Damyoji shows up and they're like, hey babe. Yeah, no, he drags the entire school along with him on his mega yacht <laughs> to just pull up alongside and be like, hey girl. <laughs> Damyoji tells Scooshi that they are going on a date. She has no idea what he's talking about. Obviously doesn't go because she doesn't know there's a date happening because he's a dumbass. And then he gets a fever from standing out in the cold for hours on end waiting for her Uh, to show up. Is this guy a fucking Regency era Jane Austen heroine? Yeah. A little bit. Basically. (laughs) This is like if Mr. Bingley had a little bit of the temperament of Mr. Darcy. So you have like Mr. Bingley, the human golden retriever, total dumbass, and you make him grumpy like Mr. Darcy. I see. Oh, you didn't stand a chance, did you? No, not at all. (laughs) (laughs) So a jealous evil bitch at school creates a complicated multi-conspirator scheme to suggest Sakushi is a slut because the evil bitch has been in love with Damioji for years, but she's never shown up before this chapter. It involves, like, several steps. It's so many steps. Like, multiple people. There's, like, awkward pictures that, like, are forced perspective to make it look like Tsukushi was in bed with somebody. And this is all because she's been in love with Damyoji since they were children, even though she has never been in the show before. She shows up a little bit after because, of course, she becomes assimilated in the main cast, and now she's one of Tsukushi's best friends later. (laughs) Okay. Scooshi is made to think that she got drunk and slept with some guy named Thomas. <laughs> Thomas? Thomas. Thomas. He's German. Thomas the German boy. Yes. You know, like you do. <laughs> <laughs> Demyoji and Rui, another member of the F4, both developed feelings for Scooshi and resolved their feud with a game of basketball. I forgot that chapter. Some really intense, like, romantic rivalry basketball. Yes. Yeah. You know, just about a girl. It doesn't involve any brooding and being furious with each other and thinking about each other a lot. Yeah, and I'm also thinking about one-on-one basketball involving a lot of getting up in each other's business Mm -hmm. and trash talking Mm -hmm. right into someone's face is deeply homoerotic. Extremely. (laughs) Just a very heterosexual game of one-on-one basketball where you're both furious with each other. Yeah, the only way that could get more homoerotic is if they decided to do Turkish oil wrestling instead. Scooshi makes a mysterious new friend who helps her get a job when her family is broke. Damyoji disappears to New York City for weeks as a result of this, somehow, and reappears to announce that Scoochie's mysterious friend is the son of a member of the Japanese parliament and then fights him on national television. What? <laughs> <laughs> that escalated real fast. It really did, didn't it? 
He's just like some dude that Scoochie meets and he's like, oh, hey, you seem like down in your luck. Can I help you get a job? And she's like, yeah, because my family is terrible and like racks up a lot of debt because my dad is awful. And he's just like, all right, cool. And Damyoji's like, you're spending time with another pretty boy and I don't care for it. I'm going to New York about it. So question, was revealing that he was the son of a member of the Japanese parliament supposed to be some kind of like dark reveal of a secret? Because it's not. It's really not. Your dad's in the parliament. This guy has a dad who works in the government. Like what? I can see that being a dark secret here in England, but maybe not Japan. Also like... They go to a rich high school. Surely half of those kids have government connections. Yeah, yeah you would think, wouldn't you? Scushy's dad loses one million yen to a loan shark, and the only way to save her family is to enter the Miss Teen Japan beauty pageant, for which she is coached by Damyoji's older sister, so she has to stay at his fancy mansion while she trains. How much is one million yen in, like, American dollars? Uh, you just knock off two zeros, so... 10,000? 10,000 bucks? Yeah. Okay, so that's not an insurmountable amount of money. No. (laughs) No. And she can win it in Miss Teen Japan. Yeah, it's the only way. So she has to stay in a fancy mansion where all of the objects in one room are probably worth $10,000. Also of note, Damyoji's older sister also is a beat-em-up stubborn-ass bitch who's awesome. So Damyoji has a sister complex. Ah, yes, I see. They really like to lean into this idea of Damyoji likes powerful women because he has a sister complex, which gets real Freudian. And it's like, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, we're not going to examine that too closely. Nope. No, maybe he just likes powerful women. I don't know. Some of us like powerful women. <laughs> She goes through this whole thing where she has to get makeovers. She has to be coached. I think she comes in like second or something because she's just like, she's just a normal kid and she just wants to do her best and something, something. Yeah. Now, considering how ornery you've said this character is before, I'm picturing like a miscongeniality situation. <laughs> it's kind of, yeah. The F4 go on vacation to Vancouver. <laughs> Exotic van- <laughs> exotic vacation destination Vancouver. Yeah. They go to Vancouver. They go skiing around Vancouver, I guess. Um, I- Yeah. No. <laughs> I know. They're going to Whistler. <laughs> it's a ski lodge plot, but they're like, let's go to Vancouver, Canada. Vancouver is like, let's go see where they filmed every Stargate episode. <laughs> and then you go to Whistler for some skiing. <laughs> So they go skiing. They invite Scooshy and some mean girls from school, I guess. <laughs> Just so they have some. <laughs> Just so they have some girls. Just some mean girls. The mean girls attempt to strand Scooshy in a blizzard and kill her. <laughs> <laughs> Dom Yoji saves her by finding her in the blizzard, and they take refuge in a small cabin with only one bed. And they have to take off all their clothes and cuddle all night long in front of the fire. I'm really enjoying the pedigree of the Canadian shack trope. <laughs> it's powerful. It's so powerful. Do South has had such an effect on us as a culture. <laughs> Scooshy meets a boy at school who secretly models in his spare time and gets Scooshy involved in a modeling session. He later mm-hmm. kidnaps Scooshy because it turns out he wants revenge <laughs> against Dom Yoji. Because what? he beat up the model's older brother so bad it ruptured his intestines. What? Yoji arrives in the kidnapping location and gets the shit beaten out of him so that he can keep Scoochie from getting hurt. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that's a whole plot. That's a whole plot? Sure. 
Specifically, <laughs> it ruptured his intestines. <laughs> Having a character go out on, oh god, I've got perforated bowel syndrome. <laughs> not your typical romantic storytelling. <laughs> oh my god, that one's great. I love that one. I can't be in this story anymore. I'm dying because there's shit in my blood. <laughs> These are going to slowly start getting longer because I had to try and summarize increasingly just like wild plot points. Okay. Damyoji's mom hates Scooshi because she's poor, mm -hmm. arranges an engagement between him and a cute girl from a rich family, and don't worry, the cute girl beats him up, so she did look for his type. Okay. <laughs> She ends up asking Scooshi for romantic advice about Damyoji, and over the course of this, Scooshi realizes that she actually has feelings for the dumbass, and she is emotionally devastated. <laughs> okay. I'm on board. <laughs> Scooshi's family goes broke yet again, because her dad, yet again. And this time, they move to a fishing village, and they leave Scooshi behind, so she has to get an apartment. She lives alone then in her apartment until it collapses and she winds up living in Damyoji's house where she has to be a maid for him working for both food and shelter and then she eventually becomes his personal maid working only in his room and this somehow goes so well she agrees to try dating him for two months. I'm seeing the plots getting more convoluted as time goes on. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> They really do like a whole just Cinderella, like soft reset here where she has to like work and do manual labor in this incredible mansion with like stern older woman who is her mentor, who's kind of a bitch, but grudgingly respects her. They really want to do like a, oh, let's go visit Mr. Darcy's house while he's not here and admire how much his staff likes him thing. Okay. So do you think that there's a possibility that the author of this manga mm -hmm. perhaps saw the Drew Barrymore movie Ever After <laughs> shortly before writing? this arc <laughs> i should note that like by this point the art has changed incredibly dramatically from like kind of like the 90s weird art to like more modern style oh god right <laughs> okay so those were ringlets yeah this character had ringlets up to a certain point <laughs> yes. yeah they were initially ringlets it turns out if you draw something long enough you you know you get, get really better good. at drawing it <laughs> yeah I've, I've read web comics i know the deal <laughs> Damyoji's mom uses her megacorp to target Scooshi's friends to socially isolate her, basically by making all of her rich friends, like, buying up their parents' assets, threatening to put them into debt, and, like, firing everyone. She has one poor friend, of course, who gets a whole subplot that we won't really talk about here, but somehow she is also targeted as well, and Scooshi's like, fine, I will stay away from Damyoji and do that so much that I will break up with him and move to the fishing village with my parents. <laughs> Goodbye, you'll never find me. Okay. The plot right after that is Scooshi gets a fever and she's nursed back to health by a rando guy who looks exactly like Damyoji. Oh, God. Who later admits that he was hired by Damyoji's mom to try and seduce her. She went out. She held auditions. She held auditions to find someone who looked exactly like her son to try and seduce this poor girl he's in love with. She held a Charlie Chaplin contest. <laughs> Listen, maybe you should just be in love with this boy who looks exactly like my son. Have you considered that? This mother's internal life is just fascinating. <laughs> oh, it gets weirder in the drama. Oh, good. <laughs> After a series of circumstances, Scooshi and her brother move back to the city. They move into an apartment together. Damyoji moves in next door so he can do whatever common people do. And he bought the building. <laughs> see whatever common people see. Ah. <laughs> uh... But he only shows up at <laughs> night. 
because like he's busy during the day with rich people things. So he's just kind of like part time slumming it. Yeah, I feel like this is not unlike living in a building where the superintendent lives next door and is the landlord's like fail son. <laughs> yeah, except this one's your boyfriend. Except this one also wants to be your boyfriend. <laughs> Please, real bad. <laughs> Damioshi gets head trauma and he wakes up with extremely specific amnesia where the only thing he doesn't remember is Tsukushi. Oh, naturally. Yes, of course. Of course. For I have amnesia. While we're covering from extremely specific amnesia, he meets a cute girl in the hospital who falls in love with him. Tsukushi basically is like, oh my God, he'll never remember me and he'll definitely fall in love with this other girl and eventually decides to leave until he hits his head again. I don't remember how this worked out in the manga. I think maybe she hit him with a bedpan or something. <laughs> she probably threw something at him and then he gets his memories back. And he's like, wait, I, I love her. I thought you were going to say that he specifically forgot the other girl. <laughs> The manga then ends shortly after that because she ran out of ideas, the mangaka did. I vaguely remember there was like this moment where there's like this giant super yacht and both Damyoji and Tsukushi are on it. They ride away to get married, but that was apparently in the anime. <laughs> the manga eventually has this kind of like tame ending where like Damyoji's father in New York City collapses and Damyoji has to go run the mega corporation. Basically, he and Sakushi is like, do you want to like get married? And she's like, nah, dog, I'd rather go to college. <laughs> oh, good. But hit me up after I finish law school. <laughs> and then like there is an epilogue that was published like in 2008, four years afterwards, where she did finish law school. And then they went to Italy to someone else's wedding and got angry at each other and probably got engaged. Considering it's a wedding in Italy, I expected that to go much more dramatically. Honestly, <laughs> I, I figured there'd be at least two kidnappings. No, no, it was just a one chapter. <laughs> they could only do some light danger in that one. They only had time for so much. This is like the Count of Monte Cristo and other serialized <laughs> fiction of the 1700s and 1800s, where it's like, it doesn't end so much as it just stops. Yeah. Yeah, it's absolutely a serialized story where the author finally ran out of stupid ideas. So that is Hanayori Dango. Now let's tell you about the K-drama Boys Over Flowers based on Hanayori Dango. Oh boy. This show ran for, this was wild to me, 25 episodes <laughs> and they aired from January to March of 2009, the same year. It is rated as one of the top 10 best K-dramas of like all time so far. It caused like this whole renaissance in Korea. Of like K-dramas? Like it was wildly popular. It was wildly popular. It was like a fashion renaissance. It had international popularity. Japan, India was super into it. I believe it was extremely popular here in the US as well. It is the October 2020 10 best K-dramas to binge watch on Netflix. So that was last year. There's a bit from its reception section on Wikipedia that I'm just going to read. During its broadcast, the series influenced South Korean men to take their appearances more seriously to copy the metrosexual or pretty boy image of the mm -hmm. F4 characters in the drama. This led to an increase in South Korean males wearing cosmetics, preppy and cruise outfits, and clothing in traditionally more feminine looks like the color pink and floral prints. It also basically launched the career of every actor in it. <laughs> This caused a whole bunch of young Korean men to start dressing like private school prep boys from New York who, like, spend their weekends in Long Island. Yes. Yes. That's deeply unfortunate. 
And the thing is that Boys Over Flowers is so popular that this isn't even the only live action adaptation. Like, no, this is like the fifth. Just going off of a list, Japan had an anime adaptation in 1997, a live action adaptation in 2005, a second season of that same adaptation in 2007, and in 2018, there was an adaptation of the sequel series that ran in the 2010s. Taiwan had Meteor Garden, a live action adaptation in 2001, a sequel series Meteor Rain in 2001, and another series in 2002. South Korea had Boys Over Flowers, China had Meteor Garden, a film series in 2018, Thailand had their own adaptation in 2021, and that's only the licensed ones. There's also unlicensed adaptations in 2009 from China, a 2014 unlicensed adaptation from India, and an Indonesian one in 2017 that was unlicensed. Okay, so this author is getting like 25 cent residual checks for the rest of her life then. Pretty much, because she <laughs> said, what if a rich boy was stupid? <laughs> Uh, I'm just I'm still mildly obsessed with the idea of this soap opera show being so successful and it inspires an entire generation of men to start dressing like they chronically overpay for weed. <laughs> <laughs> the K-drama dramatically changes Sakushi as a character. Good or bad? Mmm bad. Also, quick note here, every single episode of this 25 episode series is like 60 to 80 minutes long. Oh god. Yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot of drama. There's a lot of show there. There's so much show. They're speedrunning all the drama. They basically try to cram in like a volume of manga per episode to varying degrees of success. <laughs> oh dear god. Yeah. Also of note, while technically the OST has 15 songs on it, you will hear three of them more than any others. Yeah. Okay. Like there's one that's, okay, so Mackenzie, this is specifically for you. I have I have a revelation to give you on air. Yes. We've been getting the lyrics wrong about the Boys Over Flowers song, Stand By Me, forever. <laughs> So it's mostly a song in Korean. There are a couple of lines in English, as you do. We have always thought it was, it's not about making love. It's all about making you smile. Yeah. But that's not what it is. Apparently is together make it love, forever make it your smile. It's not about making love. It's not stand by me and these other two guys. And I guess <laughs> Yuju Poon could be here too. There's like this whole, like, not about making love, it's all about making your smile. And like, Mackenzie and I are watching this forever, and this is either like by the time that John has moved in, or John is just like over for a while. And I remember we were watching this, and John just sort of walked by in the background, and he's like, It's not about Gwen John D, it's all about Gu Jun Pyo. <laughs> Because it's true, the show is mostly about Gu Jun Pyo. And who are Gwem John Dee and Gu Jun Pyo, you may ask, because I did this out of order. Are those the Korean names for these characters? Yeah. Okay. So Gwem John Dee is Scooshy. Imagine if that stubborn ass bitch that we described wasn't stubborn and wasn't a bitch. That feels like missing the point. Motoshu is just kind of like baffled by things that happened to her. What? And then, like, people just sort of came up to her and be like, you have to do this now. And she's like, what? And then does it. And then she gets kind of sad. And then a pretty boy takes her on a date. And then she's not so sad. 
And also, like, whenever she eats, she does, like, this weird munching thing and, like, rolls her lips out. She, like, puffs out her cheeks whenever she eats things. And it's uh... really distracting after a while. <laughs> <laughs> and what if instead of wanting to be a lawyer, she wanted to be a swimmer, maybe? Maybe. What if she just likes swimming? Swimming is, like, swimming is more acceptable, right? A lawyer is, like, a lady being in charge of things. And we don't want that. <laughs> There's a whole thing for, like, all of the female characters in the Korean boys that were flowers where any of their, like, aggressive traits are kind of just watered down or stripped away. And it's mostly about how, like, beautiful and feminine they are or something. Hmm. Yeah. And then there's Gu Po, who is our Damyoji character. Gu Junpyo is still an idiot, which is good. Yeah. Well, at least they retained that. Yes. He also has about ten times more angst. Is that good or bad? He is carrying the show. <laughs> Mwah, it is delicious. He is amazing. <laughs> he is the best reason to watch Boys Over Flowers, honestly. The actor playing the male lead, Gu Junpyo, is basically acting circles around literally every other cast member. And he is working <laughs> the hardest here. He knows exactly how dramatic and stupid the show is. And he's like leaning all in on the melodrama. He is perfect anytime he has to have a big dramatic meltdown because he just has so many feelings. <laughs> So, Scooshi got a downgrade. Damyoji, upgrade. It's pretty good, honestly. It's pretty solid. Also, you get to see someone try to interpret that hair in, like, live action, and <laughs> it is a choice. Not good? It's memorable. I'm pulling one up right now. Here we go. I'm expecting ringlets. It's- oh, God. <laughs> yeah. That's- oh, honey, that's a perm. They're not ringlets. That guy's hair has been permed. Uh-huh. Audience, here's what you need to know. What I'm looking at is a picture of, like, you know how in Legally Blonde there was the daughter <laughs> character who was talking about how she just got a perm and then she went to, to shower and that's why she didn't hear the gunshot that killed her father. And that's the thing that, that Elle Woods picks apart in the dramatic trial scene. The, it's that perm, except the hair has been damaged to shit. <laughs> like, it's yeah. crispy. This is a crispy hairdo. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's uh that's how he looked for the whole the whole series. <laughs> this poor man, this poor incredibly good actor had to show up on set and let them do that to him. Every single day. Every single day he had to have this level of violence committed against him. And you know, there's a lot of outdoor scenes too, so like Oh god, people had to see him. Every time his hair got mildly mussed, they had to do it over again. So the F4 are the flowery four because there's four characters. The Rui character is basically the same. The other two characters actually get more development. The third guy, the Hanazawi Rui character, the gentle one, is named Sunji Hu. So he's pretty much exactly the same. That's pretty much all you need to know. There are two other guys. Here's the Rui Hanazawa character, but in the K-drama. That's a Bieber. Um, that's a Bieber I'm looking at. <laughs> yep, he's got a Bieber. He's got a Bieber. Toe to tip, that's a Bieber. Toe to tip. It's just like Bieber. It's just like Bieber. He's got a V-neck sweater on over a dress shirt. Mm -hmm. Everything is beige. <laughs> yes, because he's so gentle. I want to shove this boy into a locker. <laughs> yes. There's two other members of the F4 that we have not gone over, and we probably won't. We won't. Don't worry about it. One of them has a subplot about, like, a thing with, like, a childhood friend and pottery or something. The other one is just sort of existent. Yeah. I think the K-drama at some point tries to give him a plot where he, like, is feeling pressured by the weights of expectations and gets drunk or something. Yeah, but I can't remember it. Someone dramatically plays a saxophone. <laughs> yeah. Lucky is my life. 
So there are three major things that you need to know about the Boys Over Flowers K-drama. It has three tiers upon which it is built. These are the three pillars of of Boys Over Flowers, the K-drama. Yes. One, wealth pornography. Okay. I see the appeal. It loves doing long, slow pans of extremely expensive things you can't afford. Love just panning over all of the rich things that they have, all of like the brand names, all of the like excessive Rococo designs for whatever reason. Just like luxury. They're just like, look at all these things that you can't afford. But gosh, maybe if you dated a rich pretty boy, you could though. (laughs) Ah, yes. The crazy rich Asians method. Exactly. Pillar two. Leisure voyeurism. <laughs> Almost every episode has Gwim John D getting sad about something, at which point a very rich boy takes her on a date, takes her horse riding, takes her shopping, takes her to weirdly puff her cheeks out and eat something. For like a professional chef, <laughs> try on outfits. Everything is a montage. It's played at like two to four times speed. Lucky is my life. Stand by me. Or paradise. Almost paradise's place. Three songs they licensed like specifically for this or had composed specifically for this. You will spend like, I don't know, would you say about five to ten minutes on one of these dates? Five seems like I'm underselling it, Mackenzie. Yeah, five does feel like you're underselling it because these episodes are like, you know, 90 minutes long. And I feel like sometimes these moments stretch on forever. Sometimes they'll go the entire length of the song. And this is like a Korean pop song. Those songs go on forever. Yeah. So we're talking anywhere from five to 15 minutes of montage here. And, you know, it's mostly just let's take these actors out to do something nice, maybe put them in a helicopter or go to the beach. But it's like the actors are trying to remain vaguely in character. They're mostly just like enjoying things. And you're like, let me just look at you enjoy things, I guess. (laughs) The plot just grinds to a halt. None of this moves anything forward. None of this does anything. They're just these complete digressions. And like, eventually the sequence ends and Gwem Don D is pretty much the exact same emotional state she was when she started, but maybe she's in a different location. <laughs> With more expensive clothes on. Yeah. No. No, not often. She doesn't get to buy any of the clothes. Oh, for God's sake. You never see her wear any of them. It's pretty much just her in her school uniform and like a hoodie at home. The third pillar of the K-drama is extreme melodrama. The K-drama Boys Over Flowers looked at all of those plots we just read off and said, all right, but what if more? (laughs) What if we cranked it up to 11? Boys Over Flowers starts at a 10 and the Korean Boys Over Flowers moves it up to like a 12. Yeah. (laughs) I have written up some comparisons for the plots. In the original plot, Scooshy basically just passes the entrance exams to go to this extremely rich school. She picks up some part-time jobs to help pay for it. And also manages like a scholarship. She's got a scholarship covering a good chunk of it, and then she has her part-time jobs to pay the rest. Because she's poor, her dad is the primary breadwinner, but also he gambles a lot and he's really stupid. And Scooshy is pretty much the only responsible one in her entire family. In the K-drama. Okay, I need you to brace yourself. Okay. Are you braced? I'm braced. Okay. Gwem John D's family owns a laundromat. Gwem John D works for her family's laundromat on a school day. I don't know. Maybe she just doesn't go to high school after middle school. Sometimes that's a thing. So Gwem John D has to deliver some dry cleaning, a school uniform to a student at that academy. Once she arrives there, she traipses around the campus on her bicycle, looking for this guy to give him his dry cleaning till she finally finds him 
on the roof about to jump because he's being bullied by the F4 and she sort of saves him, but mostly she's like trying to get him to pay for his dry cleaning. It gets blasted all over the news because a bunch of the rich kids at school were surprised watching him and filming him, but not actually trying to do anything about it because rich kids are terrible. The optics are super bad. So Shinwa Group, which is Gujun Pyo's big family megacorp, which sort of owns the school, forcibly enrolls Gwem John D into the academy to mitigate a PR disaster. Okay, two things. One, by forcibly enroll, do you mean she has to go? She has no choice? Yes. Okay. Two, I'm obsessed with this scene where the guy's like, it's not worth living. I might as well just throw myself off this building. And the, the girls respond to this, <laughs> okay, fine, but you need to sign for this first. <laughs> That's basically what That happens. is really just how it goes. Yeah. Oh my fucking God. That sounds like I wrote it. <laughs> Except this doesn't realize how stupid that sounds. <laughs> That's like the first 10 minutes of this fucking drama. This is just like, what a perfectly normal happenstance. <laughs> In the original manga, Damyoji told Scushi they were going out on a date. She got super confused because he did it on a super obtuse way and she had no idea what he meant. So he ends up standing out in the cold until he gets a fever and Scushi suddenly realizes what he meant and runs out and, and like they find each other and he gets upset, but she takes care of him. Okay. In the K-drama, Gwim John D understood him and just decided to skip it because he's he's weird. Changes her mind and she goes to find him sitting in the cold and freezing. She takes him on a pity date to an observatory where they get stuck in an elevator all night in the middle of winter. And in order to survive, they huddle together for warmth, eventually being rescued in the morning. Okay. <laughs> he does a graffiti to commemorate that date. In the elevator? No, outside it. You know, the normal escalation. <laughs> I feel like it was already an escalated state because it's already very Jane Austen to be like, I stood out all night in the rain to wait for you for our date and you didn't show up. So I took a fever and had to be a bed for the next week. And then they just stepped it up from there. And that's one of the early plots. Oh, God. So in the original, Damyoji and Skushi go on a vacation to a tropical island with a bunch of their friends. They bond. Skushi at the time has a crush on Damyoji's friend Rui, Hanazawa Rui, the third guy. And she confesses to him. By this point, he has developed feelings for her and kisses her. And Damyoji gets really mad about it. And that's why they have homoerotic basketball fights. Okay. <laughs> In the K-drama, this all sort of happens, but... The conflict is exacerbated because before they kiss, there is an accident in which Gwem John D, whose thing is swimming, almost drowns. <laughs> Gujun Pyo doesn't know how to swim and just like stands at the seashore, like <laughs> angsting and being horribly devastated because he can't do anything to save her. But oh, Yoon Ji Hu, Hanazomi Ruru's counterpart, can swim and jumps in to save Gwem John D's life. <laughs> They were like, okay, this is good. This is good. Homoerotic basketball. Let's just, let's just, let's just, let's just kill that lily a little. Hmm? Yeah, that's good. In the original, there is the chapter where Scooshi is kidnapped by a model and it is used as bait while Dom Yoji, you know, shows up and gets the shit kicked out of him so that he can protect Scooshi. Are you ready for how this escalates? <laughs> I'm not, but go ahead. <laughs> so that still happens, except for the model is the younger brother of the guy who was going to jump in the first episode. <laughs> Oh my god. Also tries to do stuff to Gwim John D while she's unconscious. 
Oh, boy. Also, the photo shoot he did with Scrim.D so she could earn some money was extremely sexy. So Gu Junpyo is extremely mad and has many feelings about this. Also, when Gu Junpyo shows up to get the shit beaten out of him, the model tries to get him to promise to never see Quim John D again. It turns out he was like hired by Gu Junpyo's mom. Most importantly, while he's getting beat up, Quim John D does leap in and takes a blow to protect him, and she gets smacked across the back, and this breaks something so she can't ever swim again. Oh, for God's sake! What? <laughs> the doctors say she'll never swim again. Specifically, swim. Specifically, swimming. Specifically, the problem is swimming. Any other physical exertion is probably fine. Because, yes. you know, swimming, the most high-intensity workout that has the most stress on your joints, traditionally. Yeah. Yeah, that's swimming. That's definitely swimming. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Definitely not showing up to the pool to see a bunch of little old ladies <laughs> getting in the only exercise they can. Apparently, swimming is out of the question. The rest of her body is fine in any other type of impact activity. She'll do great running. <laughs> In the original, Damyoji is engaged to a girl who uses Scushi's insight into Damyoji to get to know him better, which is what makes Scushi realize, oh no, I'm actually in love with this idiot. This plot is resolved because eventually Damyoji is like, I'm sorry, fiancé, I can't love you that way. They break off the engagement. In the K-drama, this is the plot that happens directly after Gwemjon D gets injured and can never swim again. <laughs> There's a six-month time skip because Gujun Pyo is so guilty, he disappears from school and from Korea altogether. Oh my god. Because he wants to protect Gwemjon D. What? Yeah. He also follows his mother's wishes to learn how to run the Shinwa group, the Megacorp. He then shows up after a six-month disappearance with a fiancé. None of his friends know who this girl is. I believe they show up in Italy or something, yeah. or at the very least in some kind of theme park or area that is very much made to look like Venice. Okay. Gwem John D becomes Gujun Pyo's personal maid. They do that plot, but it is during this part where they are estranged and he's engaged to someone else, which makes that entire storyline even more uncomfortable. <laughs> oh boy. And... Gujun Pyo and his fiance get as far as the actual wedding <laughs> ceremony. <laughs> Before the fiance interrupts the ceremony to announce that she cannot marry him because she is standing in the way of Gujun Pyo's true love. That is, um, holy shit. Yeah, it's a lot. They were like, what of this stupid plot, but a lot. <laughs> but don't worry. It also gets a lot later, because you remember Damiochi's extremely specific amnesia? Yes. <laughs> In the K-drama, the amnesia is because he got in a car accident because Gwimchon D dropped out of school due to his mother blackmailing her. And upon seeing Gwimchon D and Jihu embracing, well, he goes on this quest to find her. He sees Jihu, who is the Rui Hanasano character. She has disappeared to the fishing village at this point. I forgot that context. She is in a fishing village. This is like episode 24 of 25. So we're right at the end of the series. Jihu's the one who finds her first. He goes to find her and he finds her in the Hanazawa Rui character embracing. While she's embracing him, she's confessing her love for Gujun Pyo. He drives off in a fury, only to decide the last minute he decides to save her from being killed by a member of the Shinwa group? An ex-member of the Shinwa group? Like, I had to, like, look up episode summaries to figure out exactly how this went down. He drives off in a rage, but then also turns around because he finds out that Jihu, the other guy character, 
is going to be run down by a disgruntled ex-employee of his family's megacorp. Okay. The disgruntled employee thinks Jihu is Gujun Pyo. <laughs> He's got pretty boys mistaken for each other. I don't know how with that hair. The hair is a very distinctive difference. Yeah, so. At that point, Gujun Pyo pushes Jihu out of the way of this car and gets put in the hospital because he gets hit instead. And he's lost all memory of Grim John D. He only remembers who she is when she falls into a pool and almost drowns. And she can't swim anymore due to her injury. Oh, God. And he dives in and saves her because he can now swim. <laughs> His amnesia made him forget that he can't swim? Yes. I think so. Yeah, he has to save her life before he remembers her. And that's like, that's the last episode, actually. Yeah, that's the last episode. That's the last episode of the show? Yes. They do the same sort of thing where he's like, hey, I have to go like do a business. Do you want to get married? And she's like, nah, I'm going to go to med school. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, what? Just med school out of nowhere? Oh, 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 get this. There is a plot that is entirely original to the K-drama where because Gwen John D is really into swimming and like that's her thing and then like she can't swim anymore she is now like completely aimless she was aimless before but now she's doubly so because she has no ambition she's just sort of like she just sort of wanders from confusing situation to confusing situation (laughs) and stutters a lot (laughs) what she does is that she wanders around at night for a while and eventually finds her way to a clinic that is pretty much only open at night and is run by an old cranky doctor So there's like a whole other show happening here. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) She ends up volunteering and starts working there as an assistant, takes an interest in medicine. And that's where eventually, I guess, she decides to go to med school. But also, the old cranky doctor has a backstory. He's estranged from his family, most notably his grandson. And who could this grandson be? Oh, my God. In this gigantic city. Who could it be? Surely it's no one she knows. No. It's Sunji Hu's grandpa. Okay, the Hanazawa Rui character. Okay. And then she like <laughs> has this whole plot where she reunites them and helps them work through some extreme family melodrama and like abandonment or like grief or something because like Ji Hu's parents are dead. It's a whole plot. And then she decides to go to med school. How many years into med school do you think she's going to get before she finds out her swimming career ending and her injury is complete bullshit and just has a breakdown? Like, nine months? (laughs) I have to imagine she would probably cover injuries and disability, like, pretty early on. (laughs) And she's like, wait a minute. Hold the phone. (laughs) This first time they go through the bones of the spine and she's like, hang on a second. (laughs) Are you telling me there's no swimming bone? (laughs) I'm sorry, ma'am. It's your swimming bone. It's fractured. It's your dorsal fin. (laughs) It's gone. We had to remove it. (laughs) Mackenzie, do you want to tell everybody about this other plot that I found that was invented wholesale? So you know the mom? I am going to literally read what Annie wrote here because it's delightful. You remember the mom who hates Scooshy slash Gumjandi? Yes. I found one while I was writing all this about how it turns out that Gu Junpyo's father was thought to be dead. In the manga, his dad is just basically overseas doing business. But it turns out he's alive and he's been in a coma and Gu Junpyo's mom lied in order to manipulate Gu Junpyo into taking over the company and dumping Gwim John D. So wait, this guy is specifically, like, his death has been specifically faked. Yes. So yes. that the teenage son will take over the company and dump his poor girlfriend. Yes. I feel like there's easier ways to achieve that. 
there a lot. Is there at least one plot in this show where the mom offers like the girl money to go away and like an idiot, she says no. Oh, there's a plot where she offers the girl money to go away, but Scooshy's mom jumps in and says no. <laughs> oh, for God's sake. Yeah. That's her first tactic is, if I give you a bunch of money, will you go away forever and leave my son alone? And Scoochie's mom is like, hell no, she won't. And Scoochie's like, mom, mom, <laughs> mom, please. <laughs> By the way, folks, if you're ever in that situation, which seems highly likely personally to me, if you're ever in that situation, take the money and keep dating the person because like, what are they going <laughs> to <Yeah>. do? <laughs> yeah. Just take the money and keep on keeping on. <laughs> what are they going to do? Go to the cops? <laughs> They're not going to create a paper trail. The important thing is that you also say, as part of the legal documentation for this exchange, no take backsies. <laughs> That's how they get you. That's pretty much just everything that I was able to dig up about this. Like, there were more, like, episode summaries and stuff that I could have been reading, but... Mm -hmm. I, think, I think you kind of get the point that the manga was already dramatic, and the K-drama just amped it. <laughs> they took that dial and they broke it off. Yes. And the thing is that, like, I was just reading, like, a large overall summary of how a bunch of these plot points go, because the Wikipedia page for the Korean Boys Over Flowers is one of those delightful ones, where instead of just, like, giving story beats or something, the person editing that page decided to write, like, a scene-by-scene -scene summary of how the piece of media went down. Ah, mm -hmm. <laughs> one of those. One of those. But the thing is that this person also did not go into all this detail. I was looking up some specifics for how Gujun Pyo got really specific amnesia. And I found people who did like episode summary, like reaction posts on like GeoCities pages <laughs> with photo bucket uploaded images of the episode itself. And they were using like shipping terms and stuff. It was beautiful. So the photo bucket images, I can only assume, are now replaced with the sorry, photo bucket doesn't fucking exist anymore picture. Mostly, yeah. But I had to like skim through these and that's how I found out about like the Gujun Pyo dad subplot that I completely forgot about. And like, that's just scratching the surface. That's just something I randomly found. Every single episode has some of these incredible gems of extreme melodrama that they just pushed into the show as much as possible. It's incredible. And because every episode is 90 minutes long and they're trying to cram so much in, they also all have like added B and C plots. Yeah. Where they try to make these other characters important. They're not. They're not. They're not. And the other thing is that the show is just wholly uninterested in Gwem John D's like inner life after a while. She is there to be your viewpoint character so you can pretend to be romanced by a rich boy. The show is mostly interested in the rich inner life and pathos of Gu Jun Pyo, probably again because he's acting circles around literally everyone else. Yeah, at what point in the production of the show do you think the people running it realize just what they had in terms of this one actor? Like, holy shit, this guy's our secret weapon. <laughs> Apparently he had only been in like one or two small things before that. And they were like, oh, oh, oh shit. And we put him in that hair. Oh shit, this guy can act though. <laughs> <laughs> he has so many emotional breakdowns in airports because he can't express himself the way he wants to. <laughs> they do that beat so many times. And it's exquisite every single time. <laughs>
And again, like they went so hard on Gwem Jandi just being like, you know, a cute every girl that she's just like kind of a weirdo and you're not really sure what anyone sees in her because all of her like all of her most interesting character traits have been stripped away so it's mostly like eats weird like swimming sometimes sometimes as opposed to you know the extreme power bottom couple (laughs) (laughs) of the guy who just wants to be topped by a mean girl so uh, what I'm getting here is like the ideal world ending scenario here of just too much dramatic tension in one show is the show where you get both Gujimpio and Scucci. Ooh. Yes. 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 I'd be into that. Oh, I want that. It just plays out like a slightly less bloody Hannibal, really. <laughs> He's stupid and he has too many feelings. <laughs> And she's a badass bitch who tops him. Yeah, no, that's that's uh That's ideal. Yeah, no, that's that's the kind of heterosexual energy I want to see in the world. <laughs> yes. If you're wondering how this plays out, why'd I recommend watching Miss Fisher's Murder Mysteries? <laughs> that is honestly that's about as much as I had about Boys Over Flowers, mostly just like I, I can't imagine anything that would prove my point any more than the list that Mackenzie and I just read off. <laughs> It's like that Chris Sims thing where the the best way you can make a joke out of what happens is by literally describing what happens. Yep. I tried to be as clear as I could about these, and this is stripping away a lot of extra bells and whistles on these plots. Oh, Korean Boys Over Flowers is wild. And Netflix has held on to that license for as long as they could, I swear. Heartily recommend, honestly. Just don't expect them, John D, to be great. Netflix is perpetually, like, trimming away anything that lasts for more than two seasons and anything that, like, isn't giving them as many views as they want. But Netflix has held on to Boys Over Flowers. They are not letting that thing exclusively stream on Crunchy. (laughs) (laughs) They don't dare let it out of their sight. They know what they've got. Absolutely. Oh, what a terrible television program. I feel like I've said my piece. What about you, Mackenzie? I feel good. I feel good. I feel you should look up the scanlations of Panayori Dango. They're great. Well. And if you ever find a way that I can watch the anime, because I've heard the anime is also bonkers compared to the manga, but also includes badass Mitsukushi. I've only seen clips. The anime is like, it is impossible to find. It was made in like 1997. It was like never brought over in like the early like anime manga boom to the United States. It is impossible. It is impossible. The only way that exists in the Western world is like on a VHS tape in someone's basement that just says anime on it. (laughs) Precisely. If you find that anime VHS tape in your basement, send it to me. (laughs) Folks, if you know someone who made some subs of that show and you have a solid torrent, hit us up. Hit us up. Or if you find a legal way to buy it, hit me up again. I don't care. There's also that. We're hedging our bets here. I'll do anything to see this show. That I think just really just does a good job proving that amnesia plots are the least of your worries in a (laughs) K-drama. Oh, the show. So I think that means it's time for our final facts. How should we do this one? What order should we do this one in? (laughs) Kit, yours is probably the shortest. What's your final fact? If you're running a writer's room for a soap opera, hand your writers five index cards that say dramatic breakdown in an airport on them and say you're getting these and no more, so make them count. (laughs) Mac, what's your final fact? 
It's not about making love. It's all about making you smile. <laughs> Didn't we establish- these other two guys are here, too. <laughs> Didn't we establish that this is not the lyric to the song? Oh, it's too late. That's the lyric in my heart, and that's where it's staying. <laughs> yeah, this is like trying to get Mackenzie to know the actual lyrics to, like, my heart will go on. Ah, okay. No, please don't. Andy, what's your final fact? <laughs> my final fact is... If you look at what you've written and you say, no, that's too melodramatic, that's too silly, it's not. (laughs) (laughs) It's not, and someone wants to see it. You can always go deeper. (laughs) Oh, God, voiceover flowers. Okay. How's everybody doing? I'm pretty good. Yeah, I think about it wraps it up. Yeah. So I think that about wraps us up for Korean Boys Over Flowers. Join us next time. We are going to have our wonderful producer, Lucas Brown, on, and we are going to be talking about a movie that he has wanted to do for a while called uh, Theodore Rex. (laughs) (laughs) None of us have actually seen it. So we don't have a... I think I may have seen it years and years and years ago. I've maybe seen five seconds of Theodore Rex. It is infamously terrible. Lucas should have a fact for us here. You know what, Lucas? If you come up with one and you want to edit that in, go ahead. The fact for next time. Before you sign a contract, be sure to read the fine print. (laughs) Join us next time with our fact, which will be that. (laughs) That sure is a fact, future Lucas. next time for an episode about Theodore Rex. I Will Fight You comes out every five weeks. You can find it wherever you download podcasts. You can also find us on our website crookedrussiancam.horse or crookedrussiancam.gay We also have .com. Nobody uses it. Don't type in .gay horse. That won't go anywhere but I do tend to refer to our website as the old gay horse. You can also find us on social media. We are on Twitter at CRC Podcasts, and we are technically on Tumblr, crookedrussiancan.tumblr.com. Mostly just go to our website. You'll find our stuff there. If you want to support us, a like, rating, review, subscribe, or if you find our podcast is super helpful, add us on Twitter. I like hearing compliments about the things I do with my friends because I like my friends a lot. If you want to support us with dollars, you can also do that for a dollar a month at minimum on our Patreon, which is patreon.com slash the gem jam is our Patreon. For a dollar a month, you can get early access episodes of I Will Fight You. For higher tiers, you can get show notes. And you also get a bunch of stuff from all of our other shows like Gem Jammer and Date Me Damn It, as well as some exclusive recordings in there where Mackenzie and I yell about more things in shorter time frames. (laughs) (laughs) It's concentrated yelling. Yes. It's a lot of concentrated yelling. Often about just dumb shit like apps. It is the Minute Maid frozen juice of of yelling. (laughs) It's a can of lemon pulp for your ears. (laughs) Oh, we found, we may have found the worst catchphrase. (laughs) I have to write that one down. (laughs) Join us next time when we talk about Theodore Rex. Until then... I'm Annie. I'm Kit. (laughs) And I'm Mac. And we have fought you.
Also, Theodore Rex is not showing up on Just Watch, like at all. It's not even saying it's not available in the UK. It's just saying it's not a movie that exists. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, that that's going to be fun. That's going to be fun.